The Mountain Vista Baptist Church podcast features the preaching and teaching of Pastor Robert Perry and the guest speakers of Mountain Vista Baptist. The purpose of this podcast is to help believers grow, to edify the saints, and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. All right, Genesis 37, verse number 1. Genesis 37, verse number 1. Of course, last week we began this series here in the Bible Study Hour, corresponding a little bit with our our year's theme. Uh, Our yearly theme for the church is all things possible. And of course, this series is entitled Possibilities in the Impossible, and where Joseph, (coughs) excuse me, in his life, seemingly, seemingly faced uh, just situation after situation after situation where the odds were against him. Uh, we discussed kind of the, the beginning of his story and the family dynamic in which he was uh, born into and brought into and talk about dysfunctional. Uh, that would be the case for his family. Uh, multiple uh, wives or at least uh, women that have had children uh, from, uh, for this family to be this conglomerate. Uh, of course, Joseph being the 11th, ultimately having a 12th later on, uh, but nevertheless was not uh, the, the, the picture of the ideal family, that's for sure. They, they, were, no, uh, they were not the cleavers, that's for sure. Uh, and so uh, they were, they, it was a, a rough situation. Uh, his father, of course, uh, wasn't the best of role models either. We've discussed a little bit of that as well. Uh, but, uh, we understand from that first lesson that, uh, that his family was marked by vice and by violence and uh, that Joseph ended up becoming a godly man <clears throat> who seemingly bloomed and, and came out of this ungodly soil. It's, it, it's just... It just is almost seems to be uh, contrary to what we would think would happen from Joseph's life in the way that he was raised for him to turn out the way that he did. Um, and, and I'm still amazed that God could take a, a young man like Joseph uh, from such a background as he did and to transform him and to make him, and say again? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, and to make him into uh, who he was. And you know what, truly, when I consider that, it gives me, it gives me hope. I mean, as, as a pastor, as a parent myself, as just an individual, uh, it gives me hope that uh, even in spite of all of my own failures, that the Lord is able and that he's mighty. And uh, if God could do that for Joseph, then he can do it for my children. He can do it for the children of this church. He can do it for those who have had that rough background and have uh, maybe just turned to Christ in their, in their adulthood and uh, do a transformation process. Still, He can do all things. Truly, he can. But as we be cons- begin to consider these verses in, in uh, chapter 37, it speaks a little bit more about Joseph's life. Uh, we're going to see just how different he was from the rest of his family, how different he was from uh, the rest of his brothers, and, and even in the environment that he was raised in, how uh, the Lord was able to transform him, to mold him into who he was. So pick up with me in verse number one of chapter 37 of Genesis. Genesis 37, begin verse number one. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. Uh, these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock of his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilphah, uh, his father's wives. And Joseph <clears throat> brought unto the, his father their evil report. 
Now Israel loved Joseph more than all of his all his children because he was the son of his old age and he made him a coat of many colors and when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him and Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it his brethren and they hated him yet the more and uh, he said unto them here I pray you uh, this dream which I have dreamed for behold we were binding sheaves in the field and lo my sheaf arose and also stood upright and behold your sheaf stood round about and made obe obeisance uh, to my sheaf and his brethren uh, said unto him uh, shalt thou indeed reign over us or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us and they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words verse number nine and he dreamed yet another dream and told it to, the, to his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And uh, he told it to his father and to his brethren. And his father rebuked him and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And his brethren envied him, uh, but his father observed the saying. We find here that... <clears throat> There's just a tremendous difference in who Joseph turned out to be and the way that Joseph lived his life as opposed to the way his, the rest of his family that was raised and the way that uh, they lived their lives. Now, in many cases, we would think, well, it's because of different influences, the problem is, is they're from the same family. They have the same father. They went through the same situations. And even we read here in, in, um, in verse number two, uh, at the end of verse number two, that uh, Joseph found his brothers doing some things that were ungodly. They were evil. And Joseph had the opportunity to enter into those things with his brothers. His brothers despised him. His brothers hated him. His brothers did not want anything to do with him. And if you know, if you've ever been in a situation where people you love or people you look up to or care about don't really want anything to do with you, I've been there and, and I've had that inkling or that feeling to try to want to fit in and have that pull or draw to do things that maybe I wouldn't normally do because they were doing it just so I could fit in. I, I, I would not assume that Joseph would be any different than that. Surely Joseph had those feelings. He's, human, he's a human being. But Joseph refrained and did not enter into these evil things that his brothers did. It's not because he didn't have opportunity. He had opportunity. He saw the things and was able to bring the evil report to his, his father. So why, what, what made the difference? Can I say this morning that the difference is God? And that's what I want to consider here this morning is that Joseph lived a life and Joseph dedicated his life uh, to striving to please and to serve the Lord and to follow the Lord in his will and his way. And that is what makes the difference. God is the one that makes the difference. And I want to point out three aspects that God made a difference in between Joseph and his brothers this morning out of these first 11 verses here of chapter 37. The first thing I want you to notice is the difference in character. Number one, the difference in character. We'll look at verse number two again with me. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And uh, the lad was with the sons of Bilhah, with the sons of Zilpah, the, uh, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. 
one of the most striking ways Joseph was different between himself and his brothers was in the character uh, that he displayed. Every time that you see Joseph in the scripture, every time there's a situation, every time there's a story that is being detailed about Joseph, you find Joseph doing the right thing. He, he makes the right decisions, it seems like, every time. Purity, integrity, and a desire to do right uh, at all times is something that marked the life of Joseph. Uh, verse number two brings us face to face with this heart, a heart that desired to be holy uh, because we find that he's with his, with his father's uh, with two of his father's wives' children, and also his stepbrothers, or half-brothers, I should say, rather, the sons of Bilhah and Zilphah. You might remember, as we said, uh, Bilhah uh, was Rachel's handmaid, and Zilphah was Leah's handmaid. And uh, these two women had been given to Jacob by his other two wives so that they might be able to have children by them. He might be able to have children by them. The sons of Bilhah are the sons of Dan and Nephetali, and uh, the sons of Zilphah are Gad and Asher. And so these are the four young men that uh, Joseph is with this day. He's 17 years of age, the Bible tells us in verse number two. He's with his uh, four, half brother, four of his half-brothers, and they, he's experienced some type of evil he sees them doing. Um, as we come to this portion of Scripture, it, it's, it's almost as if it implies that this was the first time that Joseph had been sent out to the work with his brothers. Uh, uh, we find here that in verse number two, he's being 17, was feeding the flock of the brethren. The lad was with the sons of Bilhah, sons of Zilphah, maybe as if it was a thing where he needed training. And the fact that it, oh, it speaks of his age, it might apply, imply that uh, this was the first time he sent out to work with these young men. What he saw them doing, though, must have shocked him. I mean, I don't know exactly what was going on. Uh, it, it might be this is the very first time that Joseph is exposed to the vile nature of his brothers. But if this was or was not, it doesn't change the fact that Joseph's brothers were a vile bunch. They were rough. Uh, among th other things, they were murderers. Genesis chapter 34, verse number 25. They committed incest in Genesis 35, 33. Uh, they were full of hatred, Genesis 37, 4. They were full of envy, Genesis 37, 11. They were guilty, ultimately would be guilty of enslaving their brother, Genesis 37, 38. They were liars, verses, chapter 37, verses 31 through 33. And uh, they were immoral. Um, in verses 38 in verses, uh, chapter 38 verses 12 through 18. But whatever it was that Joseph found his brothers doing as he's out there with them in the field that day feeding the flock, uh, it shocked Joseph and it shocked him so much that it caused him to come back to his father and to, uh, to bring this evil report to them. This event, of course, caused problems between Joseph and not only these four that he was with, but with the other ones as well. Because if Joseph is going to be the snitch on those four, then he would be the snitch for the others as well, right? Uh, it may have been the seed that uh, was planted uh, that would ultimately lead to the, uh, the root of bitterness that would dwell up in their hearts that would begin to grow and that would cause them to want to do such harm to, to Joseph that we know came, came, 
came to be later on in his life. Now, I use the, I use the uh, term snitch, and I use it tongue-in-cheek to an extent, because uh, there are some that would accuse Joseph of being a talebearer here. They would accuse him of, of backbiting, if you may, almost, or, or spreading rumors, or being a gossip. And, and as we said, we really can't find much, uh, any negative in Joseph's life. But my friends, can I say this morning uh, that I do not believe Joseph was trying to be a goody-two-shoes. In reality, Joseph's displayed, uh, display here is a display of absolute integrity. He's doing the right thing. Hiding the things that his brother was do, brothers were doing would not have been the right thing to do. The fact that he was willing to bring to light the evil and to bring to his father the wickedness that his brothers were doing was actually the responsible thing to do. After all, who, what were they doing out in the field? They were taking care of his, the father's flock. The Bible tells us that in verse number 2. If they're goofing off, if they're not taking care of the flock, if they're not doing what they're supposed to do, then that could, one, bring loss of the flock, right? Because if they're not taking care of the flock like they're supposed to, one of the flock could be stolen, it could be attacked, it could be lost, it could not be taken care of the way that it ought to and die, whatever the case might be, and the flock was part of the family's wealth as well in those days. And so it, by not doing their job to the fullest could have hurt the wealth of the family, hurt his father's wealth, their father's wealth. It could have hurt their father's name as well. I don't know what they were doing. I mean, necessarily as far as, as taking care of the flocks, but if, the, if, if, uh, if Israel would have uh, been the one to end up uh, uh, trading these flocks later on and they weren't as strong as he had promised them to be or whatever it would bring a bad name against their father as well there's so many things that we could go on and talk about we won't belabor the point in this this morning but what i'm saying is joseph was actually doing the right thing he was not being a talebearer. he was not being a snitch even though i use that terminology tongue-in-cheek he was doing the the right thing and uh and so therefore Joseph did the right thing when he went to Jacob and told him about the evil deeds of his brothers. Now, there's a few lessons I'd like to take away from this difference that God had made in Joseph, Joseph's character. Number well, first thing is this. Every one of our lives should be marked by character. Every one of our lives should be marked by character. The God that we serve is a holy God, and he expects his people to be a holy people. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 16, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse number 17 both allude to this and teach us that we ought to present ourselves to this world at large, uh, that we are God's children and we represent Him well. He wants us to stand separate from the world and its evils, evil ways. He wants us to be different, not necessarily standing out as an oddball, but He wants us to be different in the way that we treat people. He wants us to be different in the way that we work for our employers. He wants us to be different in the way that we speak. He wants us to be different in our attitudes because the difference is not the fact that I go to church. The difference is not the fact that I am trying to be better than you. The difference is that I have Christ in me Amen. and I am 
I am emulating my Savior. He is shining forth out from out of my life. And therefore, our lives should be marked by character. Not just by any character either. It ought to be marked by godly character. Because there's a lot of people in this world that are moral people. There's a lot of people in this world that have a, a certain extent of character. There's people that don't know Christ at all that would actually denounce Christ that have character enough to get up and be faithful to work and work hard every single day. But there ought to be a difference in our character from even the world's set of character. Character Character should be the hallmark. Christian character should be the hallmark quality of our lives. Secondly, it isn't easy, but we should always strive to do the right thing in every situation. It isn't easy. It isn't, the, it isn't going to be even our default mode every time to want to do the right thing. But our lives should be marked by integrity. There are plenty of people who are willing to do the wrong thing, especially if it makes their life easier. But there needs to be a group of people that are called children of God that are willing to do the hard thing and do the right thing in spite of the personal cost. It would have been easier for Joseph to just cover up what his brothers had done. It might have even been easier, as I said earlier, for him to enter into what his brothers were doing. He would have maybe been more accepted that by that point. He wouldn't have had all these issues, and he wouldn't have had to go back and be considered the tattletale had he not done these things. But Joseph wasn't interested in just doing what was easy. He desired to do what was right. And therefore, it, is, it, is, it isn't easy, but we should always strive to do the right thing in every situation. See, it's easy for us to tell the little white lie. Uh, it's just a, a little half-truth. But that doesn't mean that's the right thing to do. It's, it, it is the easy thing to, to skimp off maybe at work. It is the easy thing to kind of just just do the bare minimum to get by. Those are the easy things, but those aren't necessarily the right things to do. And what I'm saying this morning is as Christians, we ought to strive to do what is right in every area of life. There's one other lesson here also, and uh, that has to do with the proper use of the tongue. We should not be guilty of being a talebearer. We, re, re, we understand that Leviticus 19 and verse number 16, one of the Ten Commandments, tells us uh, that we're not to bear false witness. Uh, Proverbs 26, verses 20 through 22 speaks of this as well. If there is something that you just must tell, be sure, though, that you tell it to the right person. Here's, here's where Joseph, again, demonstrates the right thing. Joseph's out with his four, four of his half-brothers. He sees them doing some evil act, some wicked act. He didn't go and tell his other brothers, Do you can you believe what I just saw my brother, other brothers doing? He did not go off and tell his best friend, can you believe what I found my brothers doing? He did not go off to Twitter. and twi Of course, they didn't have to go back in there. But you, you see where I'm going. He didn't go off to all those any other place. He went to the source of authority. He went to his father. He went to the one that needed to be told and told him the report. Listen, you might have experienced something. You might have seen something. You might have had something happen to you. It is not your duty to go tell it to everyone. But if it is right to tell, you need to tell it to the right one. 
Can I say if you have an issue with someone, it is not that you go and tell everyone else about your issue with the individual. You ought to go to that individual and talk with them about it. If you have an issue with me, you don't go tell my wife about it. Because then I'll hear it forever. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you don't go tell her about it. You come to me about it. You don't go tell Brother Wilhelm because he's a deacon about it. You, you come and tell me about it. If you have an issue with something I've done, if something, you have an issue with something I've said, if you have an issue with something I haven't done, you come and tell me about it because the right thing to do is go and speak to the proper person. Anything else is a talebearer. Anything else is just spreading gossip. Anything else is just spreading issues and problems. If, unfortunately, this is true and it happens in our in, in our church realm today of abuse that takes place. If there's an abuse that takes place, you don't go and keep it quiet between so-and-so and so-and-so. You go and tell the authority that needs to be told so that it can be taken care of. I've got friends, I've got people I know personally that have been hurt and abused. And they were so afraid to, to speak out about it. And it went on and went on and went on. You are not, a, a person is not being a gossip by sharing when someone has wronged them. They are doing the right thing by going to the right person to making sure that the thing is taken care of the way it ought to be. But what I am saying is make sure that when it must be stated, because there are things that must be stated, that it is stated to the right person. You follow me there? That's what Joseph did. He went to the correct individuals. He went to his father, the one he needed to speak to. We find here that the difference in Joseph's life is, is God. And it's the difference that God made, made in his life. And he made a difference in his character. But notice, secondly, with me also, he made the difference in his commendation as well in verses 3 through 4. Now we find it says in verse number 3, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was a son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and uh, could not speak peaceably, it says in verse number 4, unto him. Now, these verses tell us a little about the atmosphere within the home of Joseph. Of course, I'm not you know, by any means um, promoting the favoritism that Jacob showed to Joseph. That was not, that was not right. Uh, it clearly states that he loved jo Joseph, Joseph I'm sorry, more than his other children. Uh, Jacob should have known better than that. He should have loved his children equally. But one thing that spurred his love for Joseph was the fact that Joseph was an answer to prayer. He was a miracle baby, pretty much. I mean, uh, uh, Rebecca, uh, his, his, his uh, mother, uh, was favored by Jacob. And, and uh, I'm sorry, Rebecca was his, was, was his mother, Jacob's mother. And, uh, but Rebecca favored Jacob, and so he's experienced this this uh, favoritism in his family beforehand as well. And then he favors Rachel, of course. And, and now he's favoring Joseph. But still, it was, a, it was an answer to prayer. We find here that uh, it appears from the text that Jacob has chosen Joseph, if you may also, to be the head of the household or to be the heir. 
we read here in verse number uh, three. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Now that son of the, uh, that statement, the son of the old age, and then it tells us also that he made him a coat of the many co- of many colors. Uh, that phrase, because he was the son of an old a- of the old of an old age, uh, re- can refer to the fact that Jacob was ninety one years old when Joseph was born. He had waited many years on a child from his beloved wife Rachel, and when Joseph was born, his heart's desire was realized. We're also told, though, that Jacob uh, made Joseph a coat of many colors. Now, if you grew up in church, you saw uh, in the nursery it displayed, and you uh, maybe, like if, if it was like me, I had the little flannel graph board and the person on there, and they had the, the big old long robe, and it was rainbow colored and all that. And, and uh, we, we pictured this striped jacket uh, that screamed, I'm special. My father has, loves me more than the rest of you. But the garment is more than just that, my friends. The phrase coat of many colors literally refers to a shirt with long sleeves. And uh, this was a special type of garment that was multicolored and heavily ornamented. Uh, and it would have had sleeves that reached all the way to the hands. And the hem of the garment would have reached all the way to the ankles. It would be marked, it marked the uh, wearer, if you may, as the chieftain or the head of the clan. And this type of garment was not worn by just any common everyday person. It wasn't r- worn by any just normal worker. It was only worn by people who were overseers. It was worn by people who would be considered royalty. Uh, those who were above the fray or above the work. It was a garment worn by the air and so we find here that even though he wasn't the firstborn and traditionally in those days wouldn't have been in line to be the heir of Jacob Joseph was seen because he was the son of his father's old age a miracle baby and answer to prayer because he was given this coat of many colors one that denoted him as being special above the rest It promoted him to be the fact that he was going to be the heir of Jacob. Was this because of Joseph's extreme uh, handsomeness? Was it because of Joseph's great many talents that he climbed his way up the corporate ladder and he earned this by his works? No, ultimately it truly comes down to, we could argue about the favoritism and all that, but it truly comes down to that it was a blessing from God upon his life. Because he wasn't deserving of it because of his, sta- his status. He wasn't deserving of it even because of his stature. But he ga- he was given, it was given to him because of the status of, of God's blessings on his life. Because of this, it caused so much anger and so much uh, displeasure amongst his brothers Hatred grew in their hearts with every passing day. We read it in verse 4, we read it in verse 5, we read it in verse 8, we read it in verse 11. That gives us some background on, on what is taking place here. But again, let me give some application before we move on to the last point this morning. First and foremost, when we live a life of integrity and holiness, the Father notices. It only has the Father for some reason. It should say the Father notices. But nevertheless, we find that 
Joseph's life dedicated to the Lord resulted in the Lord's blessings on his life. You follow what I'm saying here? And so when, when we are faithful in our service for him, he will, <coughs> excuse us, excuse me, he will promote us to greater areas of service. We read this in Matthew 25 and verse number 21. Also, when we are promoted, we ought not boast about those achievements. Any advancement in the spiritual realm is per- purely the good grace of God working in our life. John 1, verses 26 through 30 teaches us that. I don't believe Joseph went about flaunting who he was or what he had received, and we ought not either. And also, when we prosper and are promoted, we must guard, I'm sorry, when others are prospered and promoted, we must guard about becoming jealous. That's the issue that his brothers had. Joseph was promoted, Joseph was was given this place and status, and they hated him for it. We ought to celebrate and rejoice with others when they have found favor in someone else's eyes as well. But notice lastly with me before I close this, mor- this morning, we've seen the difference that God makes, the difference that God makes in character, the difference that God makes in, uh, in com- commendation. But notice the difference that God makes in confidence in verses 5 through 11. We won't take time to read all these verses. We've, we understand them, I believe. We know what they're talking about. Joseph has two dreams. One, uh, he's out in the field, and, and uh, the, uh, the bales of hay, if you may, are out there, and, and his stands up on its end, and the other, his brother, or the other 11, uh, are there, and they, uh, they end up bowing before this, and he tells the dreams to his brother brothers and they say what's that mean are you trying to say that we're going to bow to you joseph you're going to somehow be exalted above us you're going to become royal and then verses 9 through 11 you find the second dream and it consisted of similarly the same thing this time only being the sun and the moon and then the stars that are there as well and uh the sun moon and stars all bow down to this one joseph uh, of course and he ends up telling uh the brothers and his father about this as well and that is the and his father even uh, reprimands him to an extent because of he says, "What are you going to say that I'm going to bow down to you now, also, Joseph?" But let me give a few points before we close as, from application about this as well. I believe there's a uh, word here about dreams, and I, I, God, I don't necessarily believe speaks in the same way as He did then uh, in our dreams today. Uh, he's given us His word. Joseph, his brothers, they didn't have the word of God in those days, and so that's how God chose to, to uh, speak. He, uh, he's given us his word, and therefore, uh, I don't believe he speaks in that way. I'm not saying he can't. I would not ever put any limitations on God in that way, because God is almighty. He can do whatever he wants, but I will say this, any dream that if God were to speak to us would not contradict his word, and so we, we do understand that uh, to that extent. Um, the Bible is our, our final authority. Uh, the, the Bible guides and leads us in all manners of faith, faith and practice. Uh, because first, the Bible speaks to many subjects, uh, whereas dreams oftentimes are limited in their focus. Uh, and, and even when we, we've been studying in Daniel, I spoke to this in as well, Daniel was able to recall all of his dreams and Whenever I have a dream, I'm like, what, did that, what was that all about? You know, like, and I only remember parts of it ha- most of the time. Secondly, also, the Bible is far more trustworthy than anything I could ever think of uh, conjuring up because my heart is desperately wicked yeah. and deceitful above all things. 
Uh, also, the Bible is superior even to dreams, I believe, because it's available to everyone, and everyone can read it. If I had a dream, only I'm the only one who had it, and then you have to rely on me telling you the truth of whether or not uh, of the entirety of the dream, if it were truly a message from God. You follow what I'm saying there? And then therefore, if I, was, if I wanted to, I could switch it. I could twist things, and I could say, I've got this dream from God and make it be, mean whatever I want it to mean. Also, the Bible has absolute authority. Uh, dreams oftentimes mean nothing. I mean, after all, I don't think there's much meaning when you have a dream and you're in the fifth grade sitting in your desk in your underwear alone. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think there's any meaning to that. Also, uh, the Bible is certain and it is fixed. We understand that the Bible is true, it is complete, and dreams fade with time. And so therefore, instead of putting all of our eggs in the basket of, if you may, of this, these things of dreams, uh, let's uh, study and read and, and build our life upon the Word of God. That's where we ought to be. But also, there is a word here about hope, I believe. And uh, we find that in his dream that Joseph did, this was a, a, a message from God, and we're not denying that. Uh, again, let me say that he did not have the Word of God in his day, though, not at the full completion like we do anyways. And in, in this dream here, Joseph received uh, the shadow of a promise from the Lord, a hope that while there was a lot of difficult times that he was experiencing and situations he was going through, that the Lord was going to use him in mighty ways. And there's a, there's a word about hope. And rest assured that God is going to accomplish his work and his will in our lives. He that has begun a good work in you will complete it in the day of Jesus Christ. And we understand that that's our salvation. We know that if we know Christ as our Savior, that settles it, folks. And, and uh, we're going we're gonna to face a lot of things in our life, and we're going to face a lot of trials and tribulations, but nothing can strip our salvation from us. And that's a work that He's going to complete. And praise God for that. And what hope that and assurance that gives us. But also, as I close, I believe there's a word about hatred as well. When we serve the Lord, when we strive to live our lives for Him, when we follow his word and, and live how he desires for us to live, there's going to be sometimes people rise up against us. There's going to be sometimes that people don't understand it. And so don't be surprised if we're hated. Because Jesus himself said in John 15, verses 18 through 20, that if they hate me, they're going to hate you. If, they're going to, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. But don't let those that would strive to cast hatred and spew hatred against the things of God keep us from striving to fulfill the purpose of the Lord in our life as well. Sometimes that's going to th those haters, if we want to use that terminology, is going to come in the realm of, or, uh, of people we don't even know. While we're out in the community trying to do the work of the Lord, there's going to be people that speak out against us. But unfortunately, unfortunately also, it's going to take, uh, it's going to take form or shape in uh, people that we love sometimes as well. Whether it be family, close friends, people that we've known for quite a while. And even sometimes it's going to be people that are saved. And they just don't understand why you would you know, make that commitment you have to the Lord. Why you would strive to surrender all for the Lord. And they, thinking they're doing something good, trying to protect you, might actually try to discourage you for those things. But don't let anyone strive to take you off course 
from where the Lord has led you through his word. And so all, uh, what I'm saying to this morning is this, is that the difference that is marked in Joseph's life is great. I mean, there's con contrasting him between, from himself to his brothers, there's a vast difference. One would automatically assume, well, it must have to do with something about his, his upbringing or his experiences. The problem is, though, is we know we have insight into his upbringing and his experiences, and it's the same as his brothers. So how is it that he's so vastly different than his brothers? The difference is God. God makes all the difference. He made the difference in his character. He made a difference in his commendations. He made the difference in his confidence. And uh, my friends, if there's going to be a difference in us, it is not going to be because we dress differently. It is not going to be because we, we walk necessarily differently. Now, I, I, get, don't get me wrong. I think we ought to carry ourselves like we are children of God. God we are children of the King. But what I'm saying is it's, it's not going to be that with just that. The difference is truly going to come from within. It's, the, it's Christ in us. The difference that is made in our life is going to be the difference that God himself makes. You've heard somebody probably say, oh, I just got to clean up my act. Well, if I have to clean up my act, I'm going to fail. Because I'll never clean it up to where God wants me to be. But if I will submit myself to the Lord and let him transform me, then that's all the difference that could be made in my life. And that's the difference that was made in Joseph's life as well. Father, we do thank you for this time today in your word. God, I'd ask now that you just help us to, to look at Joseph's life and realize what has been done and accomplished in his life was not because he's some superhuman or because he's uh, someone special, but because you are someone special. And because of what you've done in his life, you're, you made the difference in everything. Uh, Lord, I ask now that you'd help us to, to just live our lives for you and surrender ourselves to your will, that you might make that difference in our lives also, and uh, that our lives, much like Joseph's, would be marked by a difference, not, not a difference that just makes us odd, not a difference that just makes us stand out just to stand out. But God, that the difference that is in our lives is a difference that you've made. A difference that shows and shines your light to this world. A difference that is only accomplished because you've done it. And Lord, I ask now that you help us to just surrender to you for this accomplishment. Lord, we praise you and thank you for the life of Joseph and what it gives us and details for us. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You're dismissed.